Welcome to the Comic Web's Old Time Radio Podcast. Each week we feature an episode from the golden years of radio. The Comic Web sells old time radio programs, comic books, and more. Check us out at comicweb.com. You'll get some of my brief commentary after the episode. This week we have two Little Orphan Annie episodes. The 33rd anniversary of the Wright Brothers, to be followed by Who Shot Tom Baines's Dog? The little chatterbox, the one with pretty auburn locks. Whom do you see? It's little orphan Annie. She and Sandy make a pair. They never seem to have a care. Cute little sheep, this little orphan Annie. Bright eyes, cheeks of rosy glow. There's a store of healthiness handy. Might size, always on the go. If you want to know, Princess Sandy always wears a sunny smile. Now, wouldn't it be worth a while if you could be like little orphan Annie? Here it is, 5.45 now, orphan Annie time and Ovaltine time again. And now, if you're one of Annie's new radio friends who have just started to listen to her adventures lately, I want to ask you, have you tried Ovaltine yet? Well, if you haven't, you certainly want to ask your mother to get you some right away, because if you think it's fun listening to Orphan Annie, you just try drinking Ovaltine. See how much fun that is. Talk about good? Why, it's even better than having a chocolate soda right in your own home whenever you want it. But that's only half of it. Ovaltine not only tastes good but it's good for you, too. Every single glassful you drink gives you important strength and energy-building food elements to help make you husky and healthy like Orphan Annie herself. And isn't that the way you want to be? Well, remember, drinking your Ovaltine is one of the surest ways to help. So ask your mother to get you a can of Ovaltine at her drug or grocery store right now so you can have a big, delicious glassful with your dinner tonight and with all your meals every day from now on. But now, for our story. You remember, lots of mysterious things have been happening around Simmons Corner this summer, ever since those two strange men came to live in the old Gregory barn near the silos. And right now, Orphan Annie and Joe Corntassel know the answer to a big secret that's kept the whole town guessing. They know those two strangers are Bob Bond and Professor Adolph Washington Kenyon, and that they're inventing a secret new silent airplane for the United States government. And Annie and Joe are the only ones who know about it because Bob Bond made them promise to keep it secret. But then, just lately, a mysterious foreigner, Mr. Nicholson, came to Simmons Corners. Bob Bond says he's a spy from a foreign government trying to steal the plans of our new plane. And then Annie and Joe found out that Mr. Nicholson keeps guns in his house. And the next thing we knew... We heard that Nicholson is suspected of poisoning Bob Bond's watchdog, Blood. But let's see what Annie's doing now. Last time, Bond was telling Annie and Joe the story of the Wright brothers and the invention of the first airplane. And here it is the next day. And we find Annie and Joe just out of school racing each other for the Gregory Barn to hear the rest of that story. And listen, Joe's talking. Come on, Annie. I'm going to beat you. Is that so? You better so. Unless you get the lead out of your feet in an awful hurry. Don't you worry about the lead in my feet, Joe. We've been running a long ways. I've just been saving myself. Well, there's no need in saving yourself any longer. 
We're almost there. Yeah, and I'm coming. Gosh, I thought you were all in, Annie. No, sir. In a long race, it's the one who goes easy at the start who's most likely to win. Shucks, uh, I guess it is. Wait a minute, Annie. Slow down. Slow down. <laughs> all right, Joe. Next time, remember on a long race, not to weigh yourself out at the start. You, you bet I will. Wait a minute, Joe. Slow down. It's blood barking. It sure is. And here he comes. We don't want to be running like this. He might get excited and not know us. Stop, Joe. Stop. All right. Here, blood. Here, blood. Big Ben Lizards is just us, blood. You know Annie and Joe. Shucks, I'll say he knows us. Look at him wag his tail. Gosh, I'll bet we're just about the only people in Simmons Corners who can come up to like this without getting bitten. I wouldn't wonder, Joe. Blood's a mighty good watchdog. Aren't you, old boy? Well, I'll say he is. He keeps Professor Kenyon's plane in that barn just about as secret as anything could keep it. Yeah, and he will keep it secret, too, if folks let him. Won't you, Blood? What do you mean, Annie? Well, you're not forgetting what Mr. Bond said about somebody trying to poison the dog, are you, Joe? Gosh, I was forgetting it. Of all the dirty tricks, the worst is to harm a poor dog. It sure is, Joe. But I guess that man Nicholson wouldn't stop at anything to get what he wanted. He's mighty smooth, and oh, I... There you are. Well, I wondered what Blood was barking about. Hello, Mr. Bond. Come on over. We're coming. You bet. Come on, Annie. Don't worry. I won't be behind. Well, somehow I thought you'd both be over this afternoon. Suffering sunfish, Mr. Bond. You knew we would. Didn't you promise to go on telling us about the Wright brothers? I do remember saying something like that. Come in, come in. Blood, you stay out there and keep watch. Understand? <laughs> Good dog. Come in, and I'll shut the door. So, you remembered about the Wright brothers, eh? Did we? Shucks, all during my geography lesson today, I was seeing airplanes flying across my map of the United States. And that's exactly what airplanes are doing, Joe. Flying across the map of the United States at all hours, day and night in all directions, carrying the mail and uniting our whole country in a network of airlines, just as it's already united by a series of railroads. Gosh, I never looked at aviation like that before. That's what it amounts to now. A great new method of transportation, faster than the wind, that is becoming safer day by day as radio guide beacons and rays are perfected and landing fields spread across the country. And all because 36 years ago, back in 1900, Wilbur and Orville Wright, two American brothers, started their first experiments with the airplane. God. Well, tell us about it, Mr. Bond. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's get a little more comfortable if I'm going to tell you the whole story of the Wright brothers. Professor Kenyon's working in the next room, but well, we can go through this door to where the plane is and sit on that old workbench of ours. Come on. Did anybody try to hurt blood last night, Mr. Bond? No. Nothing at all last night, Annie. Just that one dose of poison of which you didn't eat enough of to kill him. I guess Nicholson's laying back and waiting. Huh, here we are. Hop up. Get comfortable. I'll just light this old pipe of mine. There. Hmm. That's good. Now then, what do you want to know? Shucks, all about the Wright brothers, Mr. Bond. <laughs> well, that's a pretty big order, Joe. Because there's a lot about the Wright brothers. They were remarkable men. You got yesterday, Mr. Bond, to where their father uh, brought them a little model airplane. Oh, yes, yes. Well, that toy, that little model airplane set those two boys, Wilbur and Orville Wright, off on their great invention. I've always thought that parents who gave their children mechanical toys might be helping them greatly in their futures. 
Well, anyhow, the two Wright boys became interested in aviation from that moment. But they had their livings to make. So they made bicycles to make those livings. What happened? <laughs> they spent a lot of money, Annie. All they made, in fact. But they weren't discouraged by their failures. No, sir. They picked a place on the Carolina sand flats by the Atlantic Ocean, a place called Kill Devil Hill, four miles south of Kitty Hawk, for their first experiments in gliding. Gliding? Oh, yes, yes. The Wrights were two good scientists to try to walk before they learned how to crawl. They wanted to know all there was to know about the air before they tried to fly in it. So, for a whole year, they sent up different kinds of kites and experimented with them, learning everything they could. Then, the next year, 1901, they tried gliders, planes built to carry a man merely on the current of the wind and without power. It was during these experiments that they learned how to curve the surface of their planes so they would sustain them better in the air. And then what happened? Well, then, after three years of experimenting, they were ready for the great test. They built a plane with a motor in it and propeller, a power plane, a plane they hoped would be able to lift a man from the ground with its own force. And did it? Oh, <laughs> not so fast, Joe. The Wright brothers weren't in such a hurry. Remember, they spent three years before they even got to this power plane. And a queer sort of plane it was, judged by the planes of today. A biplane. That means it had two planes, one built over the other. And there was no place for the operator to sit. He had to lie on a sort of a platform, flat on his face. Gosh! But the Wright brothers built it, carefully and by themselves. And then took it to pieces to Kitty Hawk, where they assembled it. Now, Kitty Hawk, with its sand dunes, is a lonesome place. There's nothing but sand and the sea there. Sand and the sea and the sky and a wind that always blows. But there, on those lonesome sand dunes, Orville Wright, son of an American minister, was the first man in the whole world who ever soared into the air in a plane powered by a motor. Leaping lizards! He actually did it, Mr. Bond? Yes, he actually did it, Annie. On a cold, wind-blown day, the 17th of December, 1903, only five people besides his brother Wilbur saw the flight, and these were mostly coast guards from the Atlantic. But the plane did soar into the air, though it only stayed in the air for 12 seconds. But history had been made, history that was and is to change man's whole means of transportation. For on that December day, 33 years ago, Man first succeeded in conquering the air in a machine that lifted itself with its own power. Gosh, that's pretty wonderful. Wonderful? Why, <clears throat> Joe, it's the greatest thing that's happened on this earth in the last hundred years. Mmm, that little flight of Orville Wright's at Kitty Hawk. It meant that man had conquered the last element, the air. It's pretty exciting, all right. What happened after that, Mr. Vaughn? Well, after that first flight... The Wright brothers listen, would... Listen to what, Joe? Don't you hear? Isn't that blood barking? Say, that is blood. Wait till I have a look out this window. Well, what's up, Mr. Vaughn? I don't know. I can't see anything yet. Boy, he's sure barking at somebody. Just listen to him. Leaping lizards, what's happened? That was a gun. Somebody shot blood. Come on. Gosh, come on, Annie. You bet I'm coming. If anybody's killed blood, I'll... Yeah, I'll... he's not killed. Listen to him now. Hurry, Mr. Vaughn. Oh, this lock's stuck. It's stuck. It... Ah, there it is. Here, blood. Here, blood. 
Joe, look, over there, just going into the woods. I don't see anything, Annie. Well, I did. Well, good old blood. What's the matter, boy? What is it? Suffering sunfish, Mr. Bond. He has been shot. Look at his front leg there. Let me see, boy. Let me see. Now, I'm not going to hurt you. Hmm. That's a bullet wound, all right. Lucky it didn't hit the bone. It went through the flesh and muscles here. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you, blood. Sorry. Eh? Well, we'll get you fixed up in no time at all. Though I guess you'll have to stay inside for a while. What a mean trick to shoot a dog. It is, and if I get my hands on the man that did it, I... I saw the man, Mr. Bond. You did, Annie? When? Where? Just as we ran out of the door. I happened to look off there towards the woods, and I saw a man just disappearing into those red sumac bushes. Who was it, Annie? That's just it. I can't say for sure. Not positive. I didn't get a good enough look. But he sure looked like just one man, and that's Nicholson. Well, what do you know about that? Blood has been shot, and the man who shot him looks like Nicholson. Only Annie can't say for certain because she didn't get a good enough look to be sure it was Nicholson. But someone is certainly trying to get rid of Bob Bond's watchdog. What do you suppose he'll try to do next? And by the way, have you ever noticed that whenever there's something exciting to be done, it seems there's just nothing that can stop our Annie? And I guess that's why so many boys and girls want to know how they can be like Annie. Peppy and healthy and ready for whatever fun's popping around them. Well, now, here's a tip. One of the very best ways to start is to drink Ovaltine every single day, with meals and in between meals, too. All those important minerals and vitamins and things contained in every glassful of keen-tasting Ovaltine may help to give you real Orphan Annie pep. And when you have that, you feel so good and have so much extra energy you can be ready for almost anything that comes along, just as our Annie always is. And so you really ought to ask your mother to get you a can of Ovaltine at her drug or grocery store right away so you can start right in with a big, delicious glass full for supper this very night. And you certainly want to be here right on the dot tomorrow at Orphan Annie time to see if Annie can find out who shot Bob Bond's dog. Until tomorrow at the same time, then, goodbye. Now wouldn't it be worth the while 
If you could be like little orphan Annie. Well, it's 5.45 now, and we're all set for another big adventure with Orphan Annie in Simmons Corners. But before we begin Annie's adventure tonight, I want to ask you a question. Are you always getting left out of games and sports because you're kind of small and not very strong for your age? Or do you always get tired out so quickly that you can't keep up with the others and nobody ever wants to play with you? Well, then, just remember that Ovaltine has helped thousands of boys and girls like you. So why not start right in drinking a big glass full of Ovaltine with all your meals every day? Now, here's why that may help so much. You see, with every single glass full of Ovaltine you drink, you'll be getting lots of important minerals and vitamins and things to help build you up and make you stronger and huskier every day. And what's more, Ovaltine's so easy to digest that it helps build up extra pep and energy for you. You bet. The kind of pep that puts you right up on your toes, able to run faster and play harder so that everybody will want you in all their games and nobody will say you're too small anymore. You just start in drinking good-tasting Ovaltine and stick to it. Yes, sir. Drink it regularly every day and just see what a big difference it may make. But now, everybody listen close. Tonight's Thursday night, and that means club night for all you boys and girls who joined Orphan Annie's Secret Society last winter. And right during tonight's adventure, we're going to broadcast an important secret message in Annie's 1936 Mystery Radio Code. So all you members, get your super decoder pin ready and have your pencil and paper handy to take the secret message down and figure it out. Because remember, it's going to come right during the adventure. And now, getting back to Annie. Yesterday, while Annie and Joe were over at the old Gregory barn, the watchdog was shot in the leg by some unknown man. Annie caught a glimpse of the man, and she thinks it was Nicholson, the spy. But here she is, sitting alone on the silo back porch after school now, peeling potatoes for supper. And listen, Sandy's talking to her. Now, Sandy, leaping lizards, what's the idea of sitting there begging? You know you don't like raw potatoes. Well, all right, then. Since you're so stubborn about it, here, try a piece. I told you so, you just spit it out. Now, what was the idea of begging so for something you didn't like? <laughs> I guess you just thought there was no harm in asking. Anyhow, Sandy, I sure am glad you can sit up there and beg today. Think of your friend, poor blood, shot through the leg and not able to sit up. I'm awful glad it wasn't you, Sandy, that got shot. Gee, I'd feel terrible if anything like that happened to you. <laughs> yes, I would. But you don't need to look so pleased about it. And sitting here talking to you isn't getting any potatoes peeled. Now, suppose you let me alone for a minute and... That's Joe's whistle. Now, suffering sunfish, where'd I put mine? Here it is in the pocket of my dress. Hello, Annie. Howdy, Joe. Boy, these old whistles sure do the trick, don't they? I guess there's nothing much better to signal with. I sure am glad Mo Brown gave them to us down on the Mississippi. Because there's no mistake in things. You know my whistle and I know yours. Yeah. Sit down on the steps there, Joe. I'm peeling these potatoes to help Mrs. Silo get supper. Spuds, eh? Boy, I just got through helping my mother. I thought I'd come over here for a few minutes and show you what I got, Annie. What is it? Shucks, it's a book. Oh, I can see it's a book. What kind of a book? It's one I got at the library, Annie. And it's all about aviation. Shucks, I got so interested in what Mr. Bond's been telling us about flying in the Wright Brothers... And I just had to find more about it. Good for you, Joe. 
What's in the book? Gosh, lots of things. There's even a paper written by the Wright brothers themselves. Yes, sir, by Mr. Wilbur and Orville Wright. And it tells all about the story of their invention of the airplane. Jumping grasshoppers. Tell me about it, Joe. You go on peeling those potatoes, Annie. I'll tell you some and read you some while you're doing it. Let's see now. Mr. Bond got as far as... The first flight, Joe, that lasted 12 seconds. Yeah, that was made by Orville Wright back in 1903. Well, it says here that on the same day, December 17th, they made three other flights. Wilbur and Orville taking turns doing it. And the last one was for 59 seconds and covered over 852 feet against a 20-mile-an-hour wind. Mm, They must have been pretty happy when that happened. I guess they were. It says here they packed up their machine and went back to Dayton, Ohio, determined to try more experiments in the spring. And did they? You bet they did. They kept making their machine better and better until finally the United States government got interested and ordered a plane from the Wrights, capable of carrying two men and sufficient fuel supplies for a flight of 125 miles with a speed of 40 miles an hour. Leaping lizards, that's progress all right. I'll say it is, and they did it too. Joe... I've been thinking a lot about this. About what, Annie? About aviation. About all Mr. Barnes told us about Professor Kenyon's new silent plane. Shucks, who hasn't been thinking about it? Well, I mean all this happening to us, Joe. Being it on the ground floor, sort of, a new invention. It looks to me, Joe, as if we ought to do more than we're doing about it. What do you mean, Annie? I mean this. Here's the professor out here in Simmons Corners, where he thought he could be alone, working on this plane of his. He's too busy to even think of anything else except his invention. I'll say he is. His invention and his chewing gum. And Mr. Bond's too busy helping him to to give all the time he should to other things. What other things, Annie? Look, Joe, Professor Kenyon wants his plane, when it's finished, to go to the United States government, doesn't he? Sure he does. He said so. And so is Mr. Bond. Yeah. And it'd be mighty bad if it didn't go to the United States. Now, Mr. Bond says, though he admits he hasn't any proof... That this man Nicholson is a foreign spy. And I'll just bet he is. Well, we don't know, Joe, for sure. Why, Annie, every time we've been over there splitting wood or dusting up, he's tried to find out about the Gregory Barn. That's just about all he's talked about. And besides that, didn't we find there a pair of field glasses and a box of guns? We did, Joe. But he explained all that. He said the field glasses were to study bird life. And the guns were to shoot the birds. It just doesn't make sense, Annie. But it still isn't proof. Shucks, how about yesterday when he shot the watchdog blood? Well, we don't know that he shot him, Joe. Didn't you say you saw Nicholson disappearing into the woods right after the shot? No, I didn't, Joe. I said I saw a man who looked like Nicholson. I couldn't swear that it was him. Shucks, that's right, Annie. Don't you see, Joe? What we want is proof positive. I see it, all right. But how are we going to get it? Look, Joe... If Nicholson really is a foreign spy, he doesn't deserve much mercy. Even lizards, with all the wars and rumors of wars that are going on around the world now, nobody wants the United States to get tangled up in any of them. All we Americans want is peace. You're right, Annie. And Professor Kenyon wants to give his new silent plane to the United States. Not as a weapon of war, but as a weapon of peace. Because, as Mr. Bond says, if the United States does get this plane, and the secret of it, our country can almost enforce peace. While if some foreign country gets it, it's apt to mean war. What about it, Annie? Just this, Joe. Now, we're just a couple of kids, I know. But we're in an important spot, and we may be able to do a lot for our country. You can count me in on anything I can do for my country. I know it, Joe. Look, if Nicholson is a spy and we can prove it, 
and keep the professor's plan secret for the United States, we'll have done a job, won't we? You bet we will have. Look, Joe, don't you remember once we were in a bad spot over in Cairo, Egypt? Shucks, I'll say we do. That was when Dr. Ogato's in the League of the Cat was after us. Yeah. And what did we do to offset that League of the Cat of Dr. Ogato's? Shucks, we formed your secret society. You bet we did. And that secret society is working to this day. Joe, if our suspicions are right, this Mr. Nicholson is even worse than Dr. Ogato's was. Dr. Ogato's was only working against Daddy Warbucks. Nicholson, if we're right, is working against our country. Gosh, I see what you mean, Annie. Not quite you don't, Joe. Look, you and I alone can't keep our eye on this Nicholson all the time. Because we have work to do, helping around the farms and things. You're helping your mother, and I'm helping Mrs. Silo. But, Joe, there are other kids around here. When we're working, they could be keeping an eye on Nicholson. Shucks, what do you mean, Annie? Just this. When you have to be picking apples and I have to be doing dishes or something, Nicholson's unwatched, isn't he? Well, is there any reason why at that time Squinty or Potato Face or Helen Wilson or somebody else couldn't be keeping an eye on him? Great fish hooks, Annie. I think you've hit it. I think so, Joe. We'll call our secret society on the job again and get them all busy. We're all just kids, but even lizards, there's no reason why kids can't do just as good a job as grown-ups if they know what they're doing. Boy, oh boy, let's get busy on it. You bet, Joe. Well, there are my school books right there on the steps. And there's a lot of tablet paper in my geography. Get it out. I got it, Annie. Got a pencil? Sure, I always carry a pencil in my hip pocket. Shucks, a feller never knows when he's going to need a pencil. Good. Now, let's see. We'll write the message first, and then we'll make a list of the kids in Simmons Corners who belong to our secret society, so we can send it to all of them. All right. Got your decoder pin with you, Annie? Of course. I always carry it pinned right here on my dress. Good for you, Annie. Boy, I guess we'll show this spy if he is a spy. We'll write these messages out now, and I'll deliver them to everybody first thing in the morning, before school. All right, Joe. Which code key shall we use? Let's see. How about using Y? Y-19. Okay. We'll make Y-19 the code key for this message. Put it down. Now, get ready to write down these secret numbers as I read them off the decoder pin. I'm ready, Annie. Here we go, then, with the most important secret message we've ever sent. Here's the first word. Seven. Sixteen. Sixteen. Three. Now, the second word is three. Twenty-four. Seven. 24, 23, 23, 24, 21. Okay, next. The third word is 20, 15. The fourth word, 9, 20, 14, 24. And now for the fifth and last word. Five, one, 23, 15. And that's all. Well, did you get that all down? That was an important secret message sent to all the members of Radio Orphan Annie's Secret Society by Annie herself. So all you members, get out your super decoder pins and figure it out right away. 
Just set your super decoder at Y19. Remember, that's the code key Annie and Joe decided on before Annie read the message. And then your super decoder pin will figure out that whole message for you automatically. And say, if you haven't joined Annie's Secret Society and missed out on that important message, you'd better get busy and join right away because there are going to be lots more of these messages broadcast from time to time. And best of all, you can join Annie's Secret Society absolutely free if you're drinking your Ovaltine every day. Because here's all you do. Just print your name and address plainly on a piece of paper. And then send it in together with all of the thin, round aluminum seal from underneath a lid of a can of Ovaltine. Mail it to Little Orphan Annie, Chicago, Illinois. Or if you live in Canada, mail it to Ovaltine, Peterborough, Ontario. Now that's all you do. And then Annie sends you the beautiful big gold-colored super decoder pin and her 1936 official book of secrets right away. So get busy and send in this very night. And don't forget, be here right on time tomorrow at 545 because now that Annie's decided to set her secret society on the trail of Mr. Nicholson, we're going to see things popping faster than ever. Until tomorrow at 545 then, goodbye. Orphan Annie was based on Harold Gray's comic strip, Little Orphan Annie, and was first broadcast in April of 1931. It was the first of the children's afternoon serials. Annie was immensely popular with its young audience who thrilled to the adventures of the perpetual ten-year-old. Adopted by the Silo family in rural Tompkins Corners, Annie spent her time suppressing evildoers in the tiny town with the assistance of her dog Sandy and faithful companion Joe Corntassel. There has been many schools of thought on the issue of Joe's intelligence versus that of Sandy. The jury is still out. Annie later branched out to take on the forces of evil throughout the world, her efforts often aided by the various other crime-fighting children. Recurring characters included Oliver Daddy Warbucks, the billionaire wartime military industrialist with a heart of gold, and his sidekick Punjab the Giant, both of whom first appeared in the gray comic strip. Although Daddy Warbucks wasn't in these episodes, did anyone else think that Annie's foreign policy views are getting a little too close to neocon philosophy? The show was sponsored by Ovaltine, as if you couldn't tell from the numerous plugs for the chocolate drink in a 15-minute episode. So remember, if you want to be husky, drink Ovaltine. Annie went off the air in 1943, and Ovaltine started to sponsor the, the new hot kids show, Captain Midnight. Both Annie and Captain Midnight excelled at premiums and secret codes. And speaking of secret codes, are we cheesy enough to use the same code as used in the episode? You bet we are. The Comic Web Radio Secret Society code is 7-16-16-3. Keep in mind, this doesn't spell a real word. It's just the same code that Little Orphan Annie used. But we don't have the Y19 key that they used. Just enter this code at www.comicweb.com slash secretsociety.htm. Deciphering the code will give you all the benefits of membership in the Comic Web Radio Secret Society. Benefits include more free episodes, fun facts, a certificate of membership, and you get 15% off any order from the Comic Web. Just use the word on checkout where we ask for a coupon code. The code again is 7 
And one little tourism plug, the Wright Brothers started, I believe, the first airport in America and probably the world, very close to Comic Web headquarters, in College Park, Maryland. Why College Park? Because it's just outside of D.C., and right away the brothers started lobbying Congress for money for this whole aviation thing. If you have any comments on how to improve our podcast, please send an email to us or fill out the survey on our website. Our email is editor at comicweb.com. And we would appreciate anyone leaving reviews on the pod of our podcast on iTunes or anywhere else. Thanks and have a good week.